Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us on Community Connection. It is National Crime Victims Week, and the St. Lawrence County Safe Harbor Program is raising awareness on human trafficking and sexual exploitation through a week-long series of talks and films on the SUNY Potsdam campus. Becca Charleston will share her personal story of survival tomorrow as she presents Tragedy to Triumph, a survivor's perspective, and she joins me from her home in Texas this morning. Good morning, Becca. Hi. Uh, Tell me if I get anything wrong here, because there obviously is a lot to your story. We won't be able to share it all, but uh, folks will hopefully get over to the campus on Saturday, tomorrow, uh, or can listen to your your TED Talk, which is absolutely amazing. Um, Tough to hear, but also inspiring. You say in the in the Thank you. yeah no it, it's the the story is is yeah phenomenal. Um, you say you had a fairly normal childhood, uh, although your brother committed suicide when you were five. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Yeah, you attempted suicide at age ten. I did. That was the first of many suicidal um, thoughts and and attempts. Yeah. Yeah. Raped at 14, but didn't tell anyone? Right. Not not uncommon, right? But, right, exactly. I blame myself. Well, that's the worst thing we can do, but it's not uncommon, yeah, for people not to share their, their stories, especially at, right. that, yeah, at that young age. But by the time um, you were 17, you became a victim of human trafficking, and that lasted for, what, more than 10 years? Yes, it did. Yeah. Um... You ran away at what, age 17? Right. I ran away. My my parents uh, were very authoritarian, and I was obviously, you know, walking around with a lot of unresolved grief and trauma that I'd never, you know, been able to process with anyone. And, And so I started rebelling. I started, you know, showing what I was going through by acting out with my behavior. Yeah. You met a, a young man, and... What, you thought he was your boyfriend, right? If that was the idea? That- yeah, I, w- I was in a, a really terrible place. I was living with some drug dealers and had just been introduced into um, dancing at a, a, a strip club. And um, I wanted to get away. I didn't like what the drug dealers were having me do. And, and they, he seemed nice, and I thought he was cute. And so I decided to run away. And I thought, you know, he'd be my new boyfriend, and I would get away from those other people. How how quickly were you engaged in, in prostitution after meeting him? It was actually the second night that he forced me into prostitution. Um, obviously, I had no idea where he was, you know, sending me in the car with two other women. I didn't ask a lot of questions, you know, because I desperately wanted to belong. You know, I desperately wanted to make that, that situation work because I had just run away from another bad situation. And I was hoping this would be a good one. Yeah, you you refer to it as as a family. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In one of the articles that I that I read, um, you differentiate between prostitution and trafficking. Is that right? You know, yes, there, there is a difference. Not all prostitution is trafficking, of course, but the two are inextricably linked. You know, where you have one, you have the other, and there's really a continuum. You know, once you are sexually exploited, which usually begins as a minor research shows. And typically we know that that's human trafficking, right? We don't have to prove forced fraud or coercion if you're under the age of 18. 
And um, just because once you get trapped in that lifestyle, you typically don't get out. You don't magically get out when you turn 18. And so uh, oftentimes women stay in prostitution once they have criminal records and they're facing other barriers. Uh, It really reduces your odds of ever getting out. Yeah. How many women do you know that have gotten out? Not very many. Um, you know, many of the women I know, I'm obviously prostituted people are, are one of the um, most horrifically treated populations, you know, um, and num- number one or number two target of serial killers. You know, you're, you face violence every single day. And so the ones that are lucky to get out um, typically have a really hard time picking up the pieces of their lives. Yeah. Is this a national conversation that we're not having? It's definitely a national conversation. And I'm thankful that there is, you know, a lot of limelight getting shown on the issue, um, much more so than, say, 10 years ago or even five years ago. But we're still not having this big conversation in rural areas oftentimes. And, um, you know, we're not having a conversation with our children. And just like we said earlier, you know, if our children don't know how to have these kind of conversations, then they could get blindsided by someone uh, and, and taken um, advantage of. Yeah. Were, were drugs at play here too, Becca? Yeah. I Drugs were definitely, uh, are typically a part of that kind of lifestyle of being trafficked. You know, often traffickers will feed their victims drugs to keep them high and get them hooked and... Um, that allows the trafficker to get their hooks into the victim. Um, drugs weren't a huge part of my second trafficker, um, just because he wanted to make us the most profitable he could. And um, so, but drugs are often a part. Yeah. You were able to get away from that second trafficker, but only by going to jail, right? Right. Yeah, I wasn't able to get away until the federal authorities finally became involved. And I wound up taking a plea deal for conspiracy to commit tax evasion because I would not talk. You know, the way the investigation was worked back then, it relied pretty much solely on victim corroboration. And um, that's that's not a great way to run a prosecution with a, you know, a victim based crime, because just due to the nature of the abuse, as well as the complex relationships with the abuser. And so I was terrified. I didn't want to tell on him. I thought mm-hmm. he would kill me. And so I wound up serving 13 months in federal prison. Yeah. Yeah. And again, how common is that story, too, that we don't want to tell on our abusers for fear of retaliation? Exactly. Yeah. You're now, what, 33, Becca? No, I'm actually 40. You're 40. Okay. Yep. Well, you, mm-hmm. have, you have a son, right? I do. Yep. Yeah. He's about to turn 10 this summer. He's my little Superman. Okay. Uh, included in your advocacy work is your position as executive director of Valiant Hearts. Can you tell me about that organization? Yes. I was the executive director at Valiant Hearts for about three years. That's actually the local service provider in the Dallas area that I went to for hope and healing back in 2012. And became the executive director in 2017, and we opened a housing program to provide emergency stabilization housing for victims of um, whether they were trafficked, you know, or they, you know, were simply being exploited out of dire circumstances. And so um, I actually left there. I'm actually launching two new businesses this year. I am now the CEO and co-founder of the Charleston Law Center in Nevada. Um, Our mission is to provide pro bono legal services to survivors of any type of sexual violence. 
And then I'm also launching a real estate brokerage in the state of Texas to get myself and other survivors into real estate as a means of economic empowerment. Wow. Rebecca Charleston will speak tomorrow at uh, SUNY Potsdam. This is going to be in Kellis Hall, 10 to 12. Uh, She'll present Tragedy to Triumph, a Survivor's Perspective. Becca, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope to see a lot of people uh, at the college. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. We'll see you on Monday on Community Connection.